what is the incrementality of the conversion or the sale that I'm getting through this retail media network? And would I have gotten it anyway? And I think our biggest CPG partners and folks that I speak with are all sort of asking that question, particularly related to some of the advertising investments that are happening on the retail e-commerce site. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. A few years back, we had a partner at McKinsey as part of our Retail Innovation Conference virtual experience. She spoke with Nicole Silversteiner, e-commerce editor, about the retail media or commerce media opportunity. And let me just say, it is crazy what just two years can do in this fast-moving space. Today, I'm speaking with Emily DeGreco, partner at McKinsey & Company, and we're going to revisit and expand upon this commerce media opportunity. We're going to get into the opportunity not just for CPG and brand marketers, but for retail marketers shifts in spending, shifts in measurement, and most of all, what the value, the much bigger value of commerce media can bring to both parties. As Emily notes a few times in our conversation, this is a very new and quickly evolving space. So there are some areas where we don't have all the answers just yet. But I think Emily's experience in marketing and advertising makes her the perfect person to shed light on this ever-evolving and ever-growing space. Emily, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the show. It is so great to meet you and to have you on the line chatting with me today. Thank you, Alicia. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we have so much to get into. And I think you're the perfect person to dive into this really big topic of commerce media because you have had quite the career. I mean, you've worked in publishing, you've worked with Google, ad tech, the agency side, quite quite a career. So can you kind of give us a little bit of your background, your expertise, and of course, kind of how you made your way over to McKinsey? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I kind of think of it, I've talked about this quite a bit, and I think about, I sort of looked at it as how do I cross-train myself in advertising? And I think that started early on, just being sort of curious about the way that things worked. I went into publishing thinking I would become a journalist. And <laughs> in some ways, you know, you could say I'm the furthest thing from that. But yeah, I, I started in print publishing at Condé Nast. And when I saw, saw the digital wave coming, I joined a little company who was new to New York at the time called Google. And I went from being someone who knew print to becoming one of the most technical sellers, I'd like to think, at the company and then running commercialization for a data product. So pretty much as far as you can imagine from selling the September issue (laughs) of Vogue. My time in in ad tech continued. I got the startup bug and ran sales and marketing for what was then a small BSP called the Delphic. Uh, It's recently gone public as Viant. And after that, you know, let's see, I'd done tech, I'd done publishing, but I still hadn't done anything on agency. So I joined the founders at a company called Mighty Hive 
to run the agency there. It's a digital transformation agency focused in both media and also data. So I ran that company on the Western Hemisphere for two years and sold the company to S4 Capital, which is Sir Martin Sorrell's investment vehicle post WPP. So quite a journey. And you know, the last piece was consulting. I feel like I've, I've picked up quite a bit as an operator in all of these roles and have a pretty unique perspective on marketing and advertising. And McKinsey is just a terrific home for that. So joined uh, as a partner in December and have had a pretty wild ride And as I had hoped, and as was promised, I've been able to stretch a lot of muscles that I've picked up along my career. Yeah, I was going to say quite quite a time to really dig into some of the interesting shifts that are happening in marketing and advertising, whether it be the tech side or, or even the strategy side. I think it's like the art and science really coming together and reaching this this new level of granularity in terms of like the customer experience and what the customer gets to interface with, you know, among the various brands that they they do business with, that they research, et cetera, um, which kind of brings us to the big topic at hand, commerce media. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's building new models, new services. Everybody's trying to build out their own playbook, so to speak, for success. But obviously, you live and breathe this every day. You're consuming information from so many different sources, studying the space. So what are some of the major trends that you're seeing or McKinsey as a whole seeing, you know, that's kind of enabling or amplifying this rise of commerce media? Yeah, it's something that we do hear about. I think it's a steady drumbeat across all of the trade publications, both on the advertising side and, and as I've seen on the retail side as well. And there's a lot going on here, right, uh, that's making this be such a big deal. But I'd say there are probably three things that really are the key drivers. One is the rise of e-commerce. So this is not new news for any of, of your audience, right? But the peak arriving around COVID really created a ton of activity and a ton of traffic on site that in the past, you know, had been growing steadily. They all had a, a peak. And that commerce, you know, website interaction created an opportunity to monetize those audiences, but also created the need to really think harder about what is, how am I going to manage the profitability of my commerce channel on the web, right? And in app versus in store. So that was kind of a a major sort of tipping point. I would say we've also seen real development in terms of the tech side. So companies that are specifically in ad tech, but focusing their effort uniquely on the commerce opportunity. So here I think about Critio, I think about Promote IQ, I think about Citrus Ad as just some of them who've really developed the technology that is catered specifically to this use case for retailers. And then the third area I point to is just loyalty programs, right? So finding a connection between the investment you're making to develop that loyalty program and continue to support it, and then seeing a new and unique way to get a payoff from that. RMNs are really a strategic way to drive customer loyalty and continue to support those programs. So those three, I think, are overridingly coming together to produce this uh, big wave we see. 
Yeah, definitely very aligned with the factors that we're keeping track of on retail touch points and that we're hearing from our audience as far as factors that are are driving them. But I do want to kind of double click, so to speak, into, into the opportunity for marketers, because I feel like we're kind of at this interesting time in general for retail, right? Like everybody's kind of scrutinizing budgets. Everybody's focusing on profitability. I think historically, in general, marketers have always been challenged because there's been kind of like this need to have a meeting of the mind, so to speak, with like the CFO, who is very quantitative and possibly depending on the company, a bit risk averse, whereas marketing, it's all about testing new things and trying new models and embracing the creative side, the left brain and the right brain, so to speak. So can you kind of dig into that opportunity for marketers a little bit and why maybe the time is now, despite some of the volatility and the pressure they may be feeling within their organizations to invest? Yeah, absolutely. So the opportunity for marketers, I think, is very large on this, although I I would acknowledge that most of what we hear about is how retailers are sort of making it big. Marketers in general, I think the promise of this is sort of after 20 years of of being in this space, it's the holy grail of what we've all wanted, which is the ability to close the loop between exposure and engagement with advertising through to conversion. And by conversion, in this case, we're talking about actual transactions, right? Not a proxy. So that is the North Star for this from a marketer perspective. And whereas, particularly the last 10 years, we've talked about all sorts of proxies and you know panels and other ways to do this, here, retail media offers you brass tacks, the actual assets that you can use to do that, right? So at its best form, on the ad side, you're going to have search placements, you're going to have display placements, you're going to have online video You're going to have OTT and CTV, so a broad swath of different touch points to engage with consumers. And then, again, on its best case fully fledged, you're talking about having access to transaction data from in-store and online and the ability to bring those together. So it truly is a massive opportunity. I will say also that it's an evolution and it's early days. (laughs) So I would say those are the North Star. And depending upon which marketer we're talking to and, and which retail media network they're considering, I would say everybody is somewhere along the continuum of trying to hit that North Star vision. Absolutely. And and I guess a clarifying point or question, like when we talk about the opportunity for marketers, we're talking about the brands or businesses that are tapping into media networks as an advertising channel or vehicle. So typically we, we see like brands or like CPG brands kind of looking at these as possible outlets. Is that fair to clarify for our audience right now as far as who we're talking about here as far as the opportunity goes? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that if you're a retailer, the folks that are going to be spending on your retail media network initially are going to be the same vendors who you work with in other formats. And then there is the opportunity to also secure investment from what we think of as non-endemic players. And that would be, I think, The opportunity is there, although it's not as near term. Okay. All right. Got it. And I guess a quick follow-up question for you, if I may, because, you know, we're hearing more and more brands are trying to 
build out these capabilities, trying to invest in different media networks, you know, through different retail channels or, or platforms. Is there like, what, what should their teams or their systems even look like? like? I know it's still very much early days and there's probably no like silver bullet, like, oh, your team needs to, needs to be X, Y, Z. But have you heard anything like as far as how marketing teams are structuring themselves or who they're hiring in order to manage all of this? Because I, I could imagine this could balloon pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really great point. And I think initially there's the temptation to say, oh, we need totally new staff for this. Let's go find the experts. And while some of that is true, this is a something different, it's also really new and nascent. So I kind of see three archetypes here in terms of how marketers are behaving. I would say one is you have some marketers that have been planning for this for a while. So, you know, I have followed just through the trades. I followed Adidas's journey as an example. You know, if you look on their website, you could see job postings for people in their marketing department who are going to be focused exclusively on retail media. So that just shows you that they understand that they need to have that talent. And it's a specific type of talent that can work with your merchandising team, that can work with your finance team, and also can build a relationship with your retailers. I think the second archetype is what I would say marketers who've looked for specialty agencies to help them navigate it. And when I say specialty agencies, I'm thinking about companies like Tenuity and PacView and Taika Metrics. These are sort of the first mover digital agencies who really tried to master the buying of retail media on behalf of their marketer clients. And then I'd say the third group is marketers who are still kind of sorting through the discussion about, should I just have my shopper marketing people handle this? Should my agency handle this? And are somewhere in the middle. It's hard to find a marketer, particularly a CPG, who's not fully aware of this trend. I mean, they all get it. I think there's some cautious optimism, but there's plenty that are sort of in this in-between phase. And it just goes to show you that there's not one way to do this and also reinforces that it is early days. No, that's excellent. Thank you so much for expanding upon that. And and I guess it ties to my next question around just the specific opportunity for CPGs, because I know we've been covering a lot of grocery retailers that are really doubling down on this. And I think it's because they, they've seen the incredible flywheel that Amazon has built. And obviously, Amazon has this rich combination of soft goods, hard goods, and of course, now grocery items and you know the non-perishables that people need to stock their pantries, so to speak. So what actions should CPGs in particular take to maximize impact around commerce media? Because like they have typically a very wide and deep product assortment, right? And they're also managing a lot of retail relationships. So are there any key best practices there that that you would call out for CPGs specifically? Absolutely. I would say in this whole evolution, from what I have seen, I would say the retailers sort of moved first on this. They decided the opportunity was there. They built the business case. They evolved the work and put in the time to develop the product. On the CPG side, it's been a little bit little bit more latent in terms of the effort, but we are seeing some best practices. The first one is to really just take a step back and look at customer profitability or depending upon the nomenclature you use, retailer profitability. 
So if you look at your relationship as a CPG with a retailer, what is the trade commitment? What is the shopper commitment? And now what is the RMN commitment? Do you clearly understand those three buckets? And uh, where are you moving on those three buckets? Are you growing? Are you declining? And where are the trade-offs? I think the second thing we'd recommend is the promise of all of this for CPGs should be that there's better data coming back to them than they would get buying any other way. Actual transaction data with retail partners who are have exactly the same incentives as them, which is to sell more product. So the second best practice is if you're a CPG, who's the phrase I like to use is your data house is not in order. Now is definitely the time to do that. Uh, so you can think of these investments in retail media as sort of the fuel that you're putting into your relationship with customers and the data potential coming out of those investments is what I think of as the exhaust. And if you do not have some sort of database set up internally at your company as a CPG, you're not making good use of that data. And we think there's a ton of potential there and have seen some early promising results from using the data better, for example, for media mix modeling. So that is, I think, the second best practice. And then the final best practice is to get involved with your retailers. Tell your retailers what units you want to see, what partnerships you'd like them to develop. For instance, if you intend to be spending money as a CPG on Disney+, Plus, pushing for your retail media partner to develop a rapport and a relationship with Disney+, Plus, such that you can get better data and targeting out of it. That's the type of thing that you can do here. All of the retail media networks are less mature than Amazon. And so they're all looking for feedback and input as they develop their products. And now is the time for CPGs to be part of shaping this industry with the retailers. I love that point because I feel like for as long as I've been covering retail, there's always been a disconnect between the retailers and the brands that are on the shelves, so to speak, both physical and digital. So it seems like commerce media is kind of creating this olive branch moment that allows both parties to come together, not just in the sharing of the data, meaning how campaigns are performing or like what the consumer is actually engaging with, but also to your point, the brands are the ones investing, so they should help dictate, you know, what the future of these models look like. So I really love that point. And I guess a follow-up question for you there, since data was such a big part of your last response, is there anything that we should call out or note as far as how to use data to gauge performance? Like, are there any shifts in like KPIs or like how teams will measure success of these partnerships or of these campaigns through commerce media? Absolutely. I think that the first area here is just after years of running campaigns with clients where they would hope to see some sort of you know, cost per conversion metric as a KPI or a return on investment. Now, there's just a lot more fidelity in those numbers, right? You're knowing for sure that you bought the ad. You're knowing for sure who you targeted it to. And all of that is then tied to, yes, the transaction happened. It happened in store, in this location. Here were the SKUs, 
right? That's where all of this is headed. So I think they're going to see a lot more data and analytics and insight required to support that data. And that I think is, you know, early in changing. So still ROAS matters, still ROI matters on this stuff. But I think there can be some more granular metrics in there starting to evolve. One of them is something that I've heard that Kroger has been pretty instrumental in in helping to develop is answering the question for CPGs and other marketers who are investing here. What is the incrementality of the conversion or the sale that I'm getting through this retail media network? And would I have gotten it anyway? And I think our biggest CPG partners and folks that I speak with are all sort of asking that question particularly related to some of the advertising investments that are happening on the retail e-commerce site. So I would imagine that incremental ROI and incremental new customer growth is going to be something that we see in the future. And the final piece I would add, it's not so much a KPI, but a value add that I see some retail media networks getting really right is what are the additional insights that I now have from this campaign? So sure, I ran the retail media campaign with the hopes that I would sell more products and I got a clear view of whether or not it worked. But what else can you tell me about the people who did buy? How do they compare to those that didn't on a demographic basis, on a geographic basis? The people who bought, what other types of items did they have in their cart? And how do I, as a CPG or a marketer, use that information, whether it's initially just to do better marketing, but eventually with the right granularity, I mean, we could be talking about inventory and supply chain. We could be talking about product development, really interesting insights that are possible when you have this type of relationship between the retailer and the marketer. No, this is great, Emily. And I think we've gone through the opportunities for essentially all parties of, of commerce media. So we talked about the opportunity for retailers, for brands, not quite so much about publishers, but I think we touched on it a little bit. But of these three, like who is best positioned to thrive here? Like how do you kind of break out the opportunities for all of these parties? Since it, I feel like commerce media is something that impacts the entire ecosystem. So so how do you kind of break that down? Absolutely. I think there's sort of obvious opportunity here for retailers, but it does go broader than that. And here I'd point to the article that we recently published on McKinsey.com, where we sort of did two things. One, we worked with analysts in our research team to really come up with our estimate of what we think the, the value is here. And two, we conducted a survey of multiple buyers and sellers in the space to get their perspective on it. And on the research, we more or less said, we believe that in the U.S., by 2026, the retail media network opportunity has the potential to generate over $1.3 trillion of enterprise value. So that is massive. And we do think it's going to be a paradigm shift in digital advertising that, you know, we haven't seen anything like it since the rise of programmatic. Now, that enterprise value is going to primarily flow through to two players. One is the retailers. So over 800 billion of it would flow through to the retailers. And the way that they're going to see this is just in higher margins, in a higher margin revenue stream coming from the vendors that are investing, along with additional insights coming through those vendors. 
and also the downstream impact of the work done to produce a retail media network very often feeds the marketing department of the retailer itself. So there's downstream impact here. If you build the retail media network to meet the needs of your vendors, you're also going to get better measurement, better reporting, and better ad units out of it. So they are the primary beneficiaries. Secondarily, though, there's about $300 billion in opportunity here for the brands and advertisers in this space, and that's $300 billion of of enterprise value. And we think that that comes in simply better opportunity to do more informed and more efficient marketing. Uh, So we think that that's going to come in the form of better ROI and ROAS for marketing efforts, better use of both below the line and above the line investments, also going to come from more informed promotions and better use of the data coming out of it. So earlier in the conversation, I mentioned media mix modeling, having better better inputs for those models from this investment, we think is huge. So those are the two primary. And I, I do think beyond that, there is money to be gained and opportunity to be gained by the intermediaries, all of the tech and data providers that are facilitating this a little bit for the publishers and even less for ad agencies right now, because this does appear to be a really direct buyer to seller type of engagement. But I think there's quite a bit more not to be self-promotional, but to check out the study and get a sense of the depth here, I think it's a great place to turn. So we're kind of coming towards the end of the year at this point. Not quite a peak holiday season, but people are talking about it. And of course, people are starting to think about the new year, how to invest, you know, what their strategies are, what their budgets are. So what's your overall outlook, Emily? I mean, is there any guidance that you can share with the marketers listening right now, especially as they kind of get into final planning and final budgeting? How can you kind of distill the commerce media landscape and and where it's poised to go? And, you know, what what should marketers do about it? How can they respond? Absolutely. I think the clear takeaway as we begin heading into 2023 is that commerce media is really an incredible opportunity for growth and innovation, both for retailers and for marketers. 82% of advertisers are going to continue to increase their RMN spending over the next 12 months. This is the result of the survey that I mentioned. And approximately 20% of them actually plan to increase it by more than 10%. So if you're a retailer, absolutely make sure you have all of your ducks in a row as it relates to your go-to-market, because now is the time. I think for our marketers and CPGs and others out there, now is also the time to be thinking clearly about where your marketing investment is going. And to the extent that you have performance and mid-funnel dollars, are they paying off or is there a better home to to put them into? And I think that that's going to be very important in the next few months in particular. We know with the macroeconomic changes, there's definitely budget cuts happening across the board. Where specifically is your media working for you and where could it be working better? We tend to think that commerce media is almost always going to have a better value proposition for companies 
who rely on retailers and marketplaces to sell their product. So those would be my two takeaways going into the end of the year. Amazing. Well, Emily, that's about all the time we have for today. I know you're super busy. So thank you again so much for taking the time out to share a little bit about what you're seeing in the landscape, digging into the opportunities with me. And I think there are also some really helpful nuggets of wisdom for the folks listening that are building out their retail media strategies or trying to figure out how to put all of the pieces together, so to speak. So thank you again so much for taking the time out to speak with me. Yes, thank you, Alicia. This was great. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions for Emily, definitely let us know. We are on Twitter at Our Touchpoints and on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. We would love to keep this fascinating conversation going. And uh, we'll be sure to link to the McKinsey research and any other helpful resources in the show notes. So you can do some more digging on this fascinating area of the retail marketing landscape. But for now, that's it from us, everyone. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.